I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, it is middle of July. The Raptors just traded for Kawhi Leonard. Do you want to talk about Kawhi? It's time to talk leaves. No, I mean, it's it's good for the Raptors. I'm, I'm not a, a huge NBA guy, as you know, but it's. I think it's good that the Raptors did this, even though people are going to miss DeMar DeRozan because he was a fan favorite. Because they're kind of making a decision. I think they had to make a decision whether are you pushing in or are you going to rebuild because what they had wasn't good enough. And credit to Masai for for having the balls to, to go for it. It's insane one summer that Toronto and that organization lands John Tavares, like top whatever, top 12 player in the NHL, and Kawhi Leonard potentially top five top three player. Like in the same summer is insane. Like you can – like I was thinking about it like which is the more impactful – acquisition and it's it's quiet but it's still crazy that that happened to a city that has never gotten anybody so yeah yeah they got they got mvp candidates on on both teams now which is i mean it'd be it'd be hard but let's say he comes in and he lifts the raptors to first in the east and like well they were first in the east right but like if he if yeah. they win the east like in the playoffs and go to the finals right yeah, so, I mean, it'll, it's, it's crazy. Like you could have two teams in Toronto are conceit, if not favorites, to go to the the final in their respective conferences. Then the second best in that respect. Do you know what I mean? You go back, like even like I've lived in Toronto fifteen years. You've been here longer, a lot longer than I have, and there hasn't been this level of the Jays have had some stars, have had some really good players, but not like this. Right. No, and it. It's not necessarily the draw of the market. Part of it is that, like, MLSE was kind of like a basket case organization in some respects for a long time, like mm-hmm. with the pension plan and uh, some of the people in charge and some of the people they hired. That has really changed in the last few years. Like, it, they've really gotten their act together. Well, that's the only reason this happens. Like, the only reason they're in the position to land John Tavares 
is because of all the, the little the team is good, but that's like all these little moves that Brendan Shanahan has made and like the organization has made. And it's the same thing with the Raptors. Like the only reason they're in a position to get Kawhi is like all these little transactions that they made from the time he got there. And like some look at him as like, you know, he hasn't done anything huge and obviously he just fired Dwayne Casey. But sometimes like the right decision is not doing anything. Like sometimes just to do something, just to do something. Like you can look at that's not the case with the Raptors, though. They had they had to do something. They no, couldn't... no, no. I mean, but like people will look back and say, "Well, he had a bunch of Brian Colangelo players, and he 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 hadn't really put his stamp on the roster." But sometimes, like you, if you have good players, you just keep them. And now it's gotten to a point where he had an opportunity to upgrade his best player, and he did. And actually, Demar wasn't their best player, but anyway. Anyway, we should talk Leafs. Because this is a Leaf Report podcast brought to you by Babsocks. I think there are parallels, though, between, like, different leagues. and like it's Oh, sure. I love looking at both of them, as you know. It's interesting how – I need, I want to learn more about the NBA CBA and, like – because then I could write more about kind of the, the differences and parallels between the two leagues. Because I think that the NHL's next CBA, maybe – people at the PA will go crazy if I say this. But I think that they're going to get, like, a more NBA-like CBA. Like, the NHL will push to have shorter term limits and some things like that. And so it's interesting to me to look at the NBA, which obviously has a much higher salary cap, which obviously has much higher revenue growth year over year. But it's interesting to me, like, how do some of these luxury tax and shorter term limit on contracts, how do they impact the league? And like, I think we could see a lot more star movement in the NHL if if that happens. Well, that's what the NHL doesn't have. Like, the NBA is interesting the whole year. No, aside, aside from like, well, you're there's not no an, competitive balance. You're not an NBA fan, but the NBA has like interesting plot lines developing all year. But but the complaint about the NBA last year was that it wasn't interesting all year because everyone was just waiting for that for Cleveland to play. Golden yeah, but State. I, I I I see where you're coming from, and it's it's true to some degree. But at least there's all this intrigue about where players are going to go. Like the whole year, it was like, what's going to happen with Kawhi? What's going to happen with Paul George? What's going to happen with DeMarcus Cousins? Like, what's going to happen with LeBron? In the NHL, it was like, what's going to happen with John Tavares? Oh, he's probably just going to re-sign with the Islanders. That was it. And like, you don't have, like the fact that he changed teams is like a land shit. I don't know what the word. It changes the landscape. Like it it hasn't happened before where a guy. say a bad word. Land? I don't. <laughs> it hasn't happened before where a guy of his caliber has changed teams in the prime of his career. Generally, like it's happened occasionally by trade, but anyway, like Ilya Kovalchuk and stuff like that. But it's been quite a long time before since something like that has happened. So okay, so let me. This isn't what we were planning on talking about, but like, let's say the the, and again, the players are going to fight this, and the PA is going to fight this, and it's going to be. But let's say a, a limit comes in of a five year contract. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot more movement because you're going to come out of your entry level uh, three years and then you sign a five-year deal. Let's say you're Austin Matthews and you can only sign a five-year deal. You're going to come out of that deal in the prime of your career. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen is that more teams are going to – there's going to be a lot more bridge deals is what I think is going to happen because you're not going to want to give that five-year deal right out of entry level. And that's interesting. Imagine if like Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid – Only get the ones a two-year deal. Yeah, and then then they're UFAs and like anybody can sign them. Well, they wouldn't be a UFA after – No, but like I'm saying like let's say you did the five-year deal, which you wouldn't because you don't want to just spring them to UFA. Some guys would get that. And like how interesting would that be? The fact like the fact that there was never any contention for anyone to get Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin – I don't know. It would be more fun if those guys were available all the time. Well, look at Drew Doughty. I mean, I had people ask me about Drew Doughty coming to the Leafs for years and years and years. And didn't Doughty had some comment about it last summer or something yeah. like that? Like, oh, that'd be interesting to play for Babcock and whatever. 
But what you heard behind the scenes was there's no he's building this big mansion over in Newport Beach or whatever. And like there was no chance he was going to ever go anywhere. And sure enough, like he signed the 11 million dollar a year deal. And anyway, on to what we were talking about, I think. OK, well, so we were going to spend today to talk about some of the RFAs. Well, actually, only one of them is RFA. But the other two guys, Matthews Marner, who can sign extensions Uh Obviously, we should talk briefly about Andreas Janssen, who signed a one-year contract. Uh, but let's start with... Which do you want to start with? Marner, Matthews, Nylander. I think let's start with the biggest one. Let's start with Matthews and then... Okay. Well, he seems the simplest, I would think. Uh, you, you see, I got, you got to shout out my story where you, you said it. <laughs> I, saw. I wrote a big, huge, long thing about Matthews. And then at the bottom it said, Jonas often says this is the least interesting one to debate because X, Y, Z. Like basically, so I did all this research. I called a whole bunch of people, um, talked to a lot of people, some of them involved in this process of figuring out the next contract for Matthews, some of them not. Um, did like whatever, three, four days of research, looked at all the comparables around the league and then basically what I came up with was basically what we thought. But It's you, easy. Well, it's not... I'm not saying... It, you know what I mean. It's not a... When you're not, in that stratosphere, it's, not it's simpler. Complex. Yes. Because exactly. they know what he is, basically. Yes. So the thing that I boiled it down to is that there are two contracts that have been signed in the last couple of years out of entry level for guys that kind of box Matthews in between them. Mm-hmm. One is Connor McDavid, obviously the biggest contract in the league at $12.5 million a year. That sets a high bar that Matthews can't hit because McDavid won the Hart Trophy and the Art Ross and, and all these things in his second year. Matthews didn't do that. So he can't get... Theoretically, he can't get it. He shouldn't be able to get as much. Like the, the Leafs Which are going to... Re- wait, can I just stop you there? Yeah. Which is really interesting because you could have made the case, and now it's the same agency, I believe, repping Matthews and Mar- yes, uh, McDavid. McDavid. McDavid probably took a little bit less than he Well, he literally could've. did. Remember they were going to announce the deal at three thirteen two five, And then he's like, no, no, no. I, like There was like some backlash over that number and stuff like that. And then he came back to 12-5. And that, that pushes... Guys like Matthews down. The The only thing that's a little bit different is that it's later when he signs the contract. Mm-hmm. So the way that um, a lot of agents are negotiating deals is percentage of the cap. So, um, right, so the cap is different now than it was then. Apparently how be. they came up with like the 13-something number for McDavid originally is they looked at what Crosby's number was out of his entry level because mm-hmm. he had also won the major league awards and things like that in his entry level. He was he got 8-7 by, f- I think, five years mm-hmm. um, out of his entry level. Uh, and that percentage of the cap, I think, was 17% of the cap when he signed that. You extrapolate that to what McDavid was... I think McDavid's percentage of the cap is pretty close to 17. That's kind of how they came up with the ballpark of where to put McDavid. Um, so, wait, which is interesting because like you could make the case that Crosby was might have been worth more than that percentage of the cap, couldn't you? Yeah, well, remember when he took the 8.7 and people were like, oh, he's just taking his number. And I think it felt like he did kind of... And then and then Malkin got nine five I think right at right the next year after that, mm-hmm. and then Crosby had all of the injury problems on that five year deal. So then he just took the thirteen year contract. So he's still at eight point seven I think cap hit. I mean it's he ended up making a lot of money, but if Crosby would have been coming into his prime, 
now as opposed he would be making a lot more than he's going to end up getting and the only thing that worked in his favor is that you could still sign 13 year deals which you which Matthews can't do right now but that might work in his favor because even if Matthews signs an 8 year contract right now um he's going to be a very good player when the 8 years is up and he's going to be able to sign another big contract so i thought one of the interesting things you did in the story was actually conceptualize what it would look like if he took a short-term deal Mm -hmm. and then went long and basically you came to the conclusion that it doesn't make any sense for the Leafs or for him really like the Leafs only save a tiny bit on the cap for a couple years for him it makes some sense I guess because he makes it you don't go real short like you go for short for a player like Matthews is five years like that's as short as you're gonna go so short so let's say you did that let's say you're considering that would it be 10 by 5 I think I, the number I was in was like 9, 9.5 area. So you're really not going to save very much from what you're going to get. That's why it doesn't make any sense from the Leafs perspective to like nickel and dime. Because Matthews. then by the time he comes up, he's getting 16 or something like that, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, or, but the, I mean, the cap, if it keeps going up the way it has recently, the cap could easily be 100 to 105 million. And if Matthews is on the trajectory he is now, I mean, he, he was on pace for 45 goals this year if he hadn't been hurt. Um, I think he could get 50 in the next couple of years. If he has some 50-goal seasons um, and the cap is $105 million, then we're talking probably more than the Crosby number of 17%. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking 16 17 $18 million a year. So the I, when I, I wrote that piece... Um, and we're going to talk about the other players, but some people were saying, "Well, you know, what about Marner? Like, like there's there's a there's a gap between Matthews and Marner. Yeah. There's there like if you can score forty five goals, it's way different than being how many points did Marner have? Sixty eight this year or something I like that. I think he was seventy one. Okay, but so like Marner is like very good. He deserves to get paid a lot of money. Even Nylander, when I did the breakdown of Nylander, deserves to get paid a lot of money. There's a difference between being tied in goals per game for first in the league and what Marner has done. There's like, there's, there's a, and he's a center. There's a big difference between Matthews and Marner in terms of the contract that they can command right now. Oh, sorry. 69 points. Right. Um, And on 22 goals, like there is a huge difference between being a 45 goal score and a 22 goal score. 45 goal center. Yes. Yeah. Like, like Matthews is a unicorn or like almost comparables you're looking at for him are, He's not McDavid, but... But he's the next best thing, basically. But so then let me ask you this. What would be... Isn't there some incentive if you're Matthews to not sign the contract now? Like, let's say you don't, and you wait another year, and you have 90 points, and you have 40 goals, and you're in the running for the Hart Trophy. Maybe you win the Hart Trophy. That then, pushes you Then you higher. can ask for 12. That pushes you higher. So, like, sure. there's, there's some reason if you're the Leafs to get it done now. Right? But if the Leafs put in front of him... An eight-year, eleven million a year contract right now with eighty-eight million dollars, he could step on the ice for the first day of training camp and break his back or whatever. Like, knock on wood, none of that ever happens because uh, no one wants to see a superstar hurt in their prime, and he would still get the eighty-eight million dollars. Right. So that is, there is definitely a pull. If you look at the amount of money that Matthews has made in his career to this point; it's not a lot of money. It would set up him himself and his family and his kids and everything forever. And so that's it, it. That's why I think that the the long term contract makes sense to get done. I wonder if they do it like right before training camp or or in training camp or 
I just don't think that, like, I see what you're saying, but how much more is Matthews going to get by doing that? And how much more risk is he assuming by doing that? He's going to get, I don't know, a million more a year. Right. So eight million. Right. Like, it's probably not worth it. No, it's probably not. But then, so, like, it's the middle of July. Um, if you had to guess, why wouldn't it be, if it's as simple as we seem to think it is, why wouldn't it just be done? Do you think anything has to do with Neander not being done? Or they just probably have a ballpark of what that's going to cost anyway. So you wonder why it wouldn't be done if it's not as simple. Maybe it's a, a fact that, I don't know, they've been busy with other things. Matthew's team has probably been busy with other things. It's not like that. It's not urgent that it gets done on July 1st. The only thing I found out, when did my Matthew story come out? I think it came out last week, at the end of the week. Um, What I found out is that there was, there's nothing, what I was told is there's nothing imminent. Like there's nothing that's going to happen. I was worried because I had been working on that story for a long time. I was ready, almost ready to publish it in the middle of June. Uh, And then my daughter was born and it's like, okay, I'm just going to shelve this for now. And I'm glad I didn't publish it back then because the Tavares situation was it it obviously it had happened but it, it seemed like a long shot at that point whereas you bring Tavares in you pay him the 11 million cap hit mm-hmm. and I think that I wonder if Matthews just says like if, if Tavares wasn't there and on the cap then they could be haggling over should he get 11.5 or 11.6 or 11.7 mm-hmm. or legitimately um because the with the thing I forgot to mention the cap is higher now than when McDavid started his deal so you know, even if you're comparing him to McDavid, you would shift Matthews up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if just having Tavares there as an 11, Matthews is going to be like, you know what, I'm okay with 11. That makes sense. Do we think? Like, I think that that... Yeah. I think that, that when you have a guy come in t- taking less than what he can get, an awesome player, it kind of sets a little invisible bar. You weren't there at the press conferences uh, when they uh, unveiled Tavares, but that was one thing that Kyle Dubas said, is that we want to create like a program here where the players are bought in and they want to win and they want to be part of this. It's not necessarily about getting – I can't remember if he phrased it. I'm not – and this is this is paraphrasing. They're, it's not necessarily about the absolute highest number you can get. The other thing, just to add to this, another reason why it might make sense for Matthews to wait is if you think Patrick Laine needs an extension as well. When mm-hmm. Peg's going to be working on that, he could get a really high number. Sure. He could be get a higher number than the Jack Eichel number, which is – I don't even think we brought up yet. Which Ten is and two, a half. Ten. Oh, is it 10? Michael's 10 by 8. Yeah. All right. It's 10 million. Um, so Line is going to go into his negotiation and say, I deserve more than Jack Eichel on an eight-year deal. The Jets, Rightly so. The, yeah, the Jets are going to have a hard time countering that. Um, so uh, Line could get a number. Let's say Line gets 11. Then Matthew's going to look at it and say, well... I have better numbers than him. Right. Could happen. But I think it's going to be done before the season starts. But it might not. It would be interesting if it wasn't. Sort of. It would make for like an interesting subplot throughout the year. Is he going to improve on his contract? And Yeah. And like it wouldn't be, like you mentioned, it wouldn't be a substantial improvement because it's like going from 11 to 12 or 11 I... to 11 and a half. But I mean, like what would happen if he did win the Hart Trophy? Yeah. I mean, he would get more. He would get more for sure. He would he would be at the McDavid number probably. If you had to bet, this is a fun question. If you had to put odds on the Hart Trophy on the Leafs, who would have better odds of winning it, Matthews or Tavares? I was actually looking at this. Do you know the last two years since Matthews came into the league, who do you think has had more Hart Trophy votes, Matthews or Tavares? Matthews, because he's played for better teams. 
So Matthew's rookie season, he finished, I think he was 10th or 11th in Hart Trophy voting. And he had, I mean, obviously this is writers voting on it. You and I didn't give, I don't think, no, we didn't give Matthews a heart. I did not give him a vote. Um, but that rookie season he had and the way the Leafs made the playoffs and all that, he w- he was their MVP and it wasn't outlandish to give him a fifth place vote. I mean, he was, he was in, he was probably in the top 10 or 12 of MVP candidates in the league. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tavares hasn't been the last two years. But that's because his team sucked. Yeah. Which isn't his fault. Right. But Tavares, ha- Tavares has been nominated for the Hart Trophy twice. Yeah. Which... Well, and he was a runner-up twice. Oh, you mean... That's what, exactly what you're nominated. saying. Nominated. I know... Right, he was I top he three. Was third. Yeah. Twice. That sounds right. I think yeah. he might have been... Oh, well, I'm pretty sure he was anyway. third twice. I, I've been looking at lots of Tavares stuff over if there. If you had to pick who who's going to lead the team in scoring, who would you pick? Marner? I might pick Marner. I think it's going to be Matthews, to be honest. It's going to depend how they yeah, configure. Yeah, I mean, he was point they, per game last year. It's going to depend how they configure the power play. It could be Tavares. We're going to talk about that power play because we're going to talk about some things you talked about in your mailbag, and one of them I want to talk about is the power play. Okay. Preview for later. All right, do you want to move on? Basically, we've got Matthews, we think we know, 11 by 8, something like that. I think so. The The one thing that complicates this a little bit, and it's going to be the same for the other contracts, is we haven't seen the Dubas, Gilman, Pridham era negotiate these contracts. So we don't know. They have the reputation for being kind of like outside the box guys. Maybe they'll try and do something different. I don't know. What could be different? Like, I don't, I'm, they might like the idea of the five year. I don't, I don't think so, but because it like, Every team around the almost every team around the league has just done the year contract for like the number that you just don't save enough to make it worthwhile for right. the long term, right? Because if you're Matthews, the lowest you're gonna like, what's the lowest you would take if you're Matthews? I wouldn't take anything less than ten, right? I mean, and, it depends even how much then. term there's on there and, and everything. No, but like I'm that. saying like if you offered me a five year deal, the I don't even think I'd do ten. Would you? I I think that if you did a five year deal, he's coming in at just under ten. Probably is what you're looking. Like you look at what like Stamkos did a five year deal, right? And then I'm going and I'm saying sorry, thanks. Well, I guess there's some he's incentive set him up to UFA because it's going to well, and it would give him an opportunity to get more. Yes, which is why you don't get the high number on. I don't think they're going to. I don't think I'd I don't do think, that. I don't think management's going to overthink that. But I don't think I'd do that if I was Matthews either. I know I can make more money, but. I like the security a little bit. Well, more, I, I mean, five years by nine million a year is a lot of security. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but it's, it's a difference between like thirty million, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's you know forty five versus eighty eight. So it's right. Um, I wonder though if, and maybe I'm overthinking that they're going to overthink it, or <laughs> like I, I just wonder if this front office is going to try and this. So let's talk about Marner and Nylander. Well, wait, I have one more thing to say about this. Okay. The one interesting thing that we have never seen, in, to go back to the NBA comparison, that we have never seen in the NHL is a superstar player taking short-term deals and basically just saying, I'm good enough. Marion Hosa did it. Yeah, but that, that was like for two years, and that was like, that was a weird, he's not this. Where it would be, it's what LeBron's done, it's what Kevin Durant's done, where it would be like, I'm Austin Matthews, I'm going to be one of the five best players in the league for the next 15 years. I'm going to take two years at $11 million, and then you're going to have to pay me, again, 
a couple years after that, 13 million. And then a couple years after that, you're going to have to pay me 15 million and just keep taking these short term deals and taking big. Can you imagine money. what the fan response in Toronto would be if, if he started to do that? Like, so the, he has if, the personality where I don't think he would care. If no, I think he would care. You he, think so? Yeah, he's a team first guy. But he that's what's. So he would get hugely criticized. He would be but that's roasted. stupid culture. There's already all this really dumb stuff that's not true around Tavares. There were or, or around sorry around Matthews. People were saying that he didn't want Tavares to come, and Which people in the stupid. media were saying stuff like this, and yes. it's not true because Matthews was on the phone trying to get Tavares to come. I don't think the fan base and the media understands Austin Matthews very well yet because he's such a quiet guy, and he has kind of like. I think he has this fire that burns, and he gives sarcastic answers sometimes. Like, what was the one that he he said in the playoffs? Shit happens, I guess. Shit happens, which I think is fantastic. But in this media market, with how combustible, with his personality, I just think... But isn't it going to get to a point where some athlete says, or some hockey player says, you know what, I'm going to do what's best for me, and you you can criticize it all you want, and that... Someone's got to break this hockey culture where it's the wrong thing to do something for you. Like as we just saw with DeMar DeRozan. Panarin. Like, look at Panarin's doing it, right? And that's fine. With Columbus. That's he's, okay. He's saying, you know what? I don't. I just got here. I just got traded here. I don't know if I want to sign an eight-year deal And here. that's totally fine. And it should be totally fine. I think it's going to happen more. And I think it's going to happen more in markets where either the team's not very good or it's not a market that's not super desirable uh, there's going to be more guys that want to walk to free agencies. But the, I mean, the dollars are going up in UFA now. Panarin, I mean, he's going to, on open market, he's going to get 11, 12 million, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think you're going to see it more. And I think it's going to be hard on, but the thing is, Toronto is really good. It is a desirable market to play in. Mm-hmm. It does have all of like the passionate hockey fans and all those things. There's nothing here for Matthews to run away from, I don't think. No, but it's just basically saying I can make more money. So if he wanted to make as much money as possible, what he should do is take a one-year deal this year, mm-hmm. go to arbitration the year after, get some uh, big number, take a two-year deal the year after that, goes takes you right to UFA, go to unrestricted free agency and get $20 million a year or what, whatever, the, whatever the biggest how, number is. How would you react in covering that if that happened? I would think it would, I would be okay with it. I would think it was breaking up some norms that need to be broken up a little bit in hockey. It would... I mean, why should players always be so loyal to these teams when the teams are just going to do what's best for the team in the end? Like, look at like this here's is not- the question, Jonas. Like, if all the other players around the league are doing it, it's not going to be no. But it's only guys in this upper upper class that can afford to do it that are good enough. Like the one thing we talked about with Tavares, like taking a one year. <laughs> Wait, okay, I'll let you finish. Um, the one thing we talked about with Tavares taking a one year deal. People would say, yeah, well, what if he breaks his leg? Yeah, well, he's John Tavares. Someone is going to sign him for seven years, even if he broke his leg. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So can you win if your star puts you over a barrel every year, gets as much as he can, as much as he wants, and leaves after four years after his entry-level deal? Can you win if the competitive landscape around the league is that all of the other teams, their stars are not doing that? That's the thing is that the like the Leafs it would hurt it would make it much harder for the Leafs to win if he did that. And that's why the fan base would turn on him. Which if I'm playing devil's advocate cuz I'm not saying I don't understand that and don't sort of agree. Tough. Like your job is as a general manager is to to do what's best for the team. My job is Austin Matthews to some degree. This is not the way he thinks. Is to do what's best for me. 
And so, like, if you can't make it, if you can't find enough good players to, like, fill in around me. I think probably what you would do in that situation is trade the guy. Like, if he's going to be yeah. that difficult. But, see, sorry, see, but that's the perception I think should change. It's not difficult. It's, like, getting what you should, you deserve. Like, LeBron is worth every bit of the cap that he gets and, and more. Like, he doesn't get enough. How much more is he pushing for, though? Like, if if we're talking that the differences between Eichel and McDavid, like, like what are you fighting, no, but like, what we're are just you fighting these, for? We've gone down a total rabbit hole because I, I don't think this would ever happen. Where I think what you're saying makes sense is, like, let's say you're drafted by a total mess of an organization. Let's, I, I'm Insert not, team. I'm here. not going to yeah. say the team name because I'll get I'll have to block a whole bunch of people on Twitter the next day. A total mess of a team. Like, a team that's going to be last... In, in the bottom five for the next three or four years. Mm-hmm. If you're a young player in that situation and you want to play hardball and you want to get to UFA as fast as possible, I don't begrudge that at all. If there are legitimate reasons why the organization isn't something you should be a part of. Like like people were uh, on Long Island are really criticizing Tavares for not staying. I mean, he gave them nine years. I mean, I don't criticize him. And he took, the contract he took was such a bargain. He gave them a bargain for nine years. Do you know what's more surprising to me than than the fans? Because fans are emotional. Like, it's understandable to some degree. Is the media who are criticizing him. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, t- anyway. Move on. Let's keep going. Uh, Neander? Let's talk Neander because Marner's harder. Actually, Neander's pretty friggin' hard, too. It is difficult. Like, if, I can't picture... Like, the press release is going to come at some point during the summer. Leaf sign William Nielder. I have absolutely no idea what the term is going to be, what the number is going to be. Like, we have a ballpark that it's, like, probably in the $6 million range. I think it would be around 6 by 6 is my guess. That's what I would guess. 6.25 by 6 years. I think it's going to be a little bit lower than people think. If you look at just strict comparables based on how many points per game he's had, he should get close to 7. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what the Leafs are going to do is they're going to say, we'll give you term, but we're not going to give you seven. So you decide, do you want term or do you want to do a short or, or, or if you don't, if you want to go short term, then the money's going to be less. Or seven by seven would be fine. I don't think the Leafs are going to do it. Why not? That's just my hunch. Okay, but so what, do, what is the reluctance with Neander to not commit seven? I think that what they want to do is have... I think they want to win, is what the Leafs want to do. And I think that they believe the way to path to winning is not just giving everyone market value, even before they've put up those numbers, if that makes sense. They're like The way that the path they see to winning is getting people on contracts that they overperform on. Right. I wonder if they bridge both Marner and Nylander. And obviously that creates a lot of complications down the road, but for the next, let's say they bridge them both for three years. Um, What's that number? Three by six? Six and a half? I think it's probably lower than that. You look, Kucherov took a three-year deal at 4.76, something like that. But that was like a total bargain. But you get in a bridge scenario coming out. And that of, was a few years you're, ago. You're coming out of entry level, so it would be a little bit more than that because the cap's higher. Um but Kucherov had higher production than Nylander in his, his year uh, before he went to free It's agency. very close. It's so, not that different. So that's the thing is that if you're doing a three-year bridge deal in like the five-ish range, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be... It's fascinating because like the, the incentive for Nylander to do that is then his next contract oh, is going to be huge. Exactly. 
And he's but, not leaving that much money on the table either if the Leafs aren't willing to give a big number on a longer term deal. Right, because if your choice is 3 by 5 or 6 by 6 The thing that I think that fans don't understand well enough is that the, the buying those UFA years is why you get a high contract hit number. Mm-hmm. So when I say sometimes, oh, I think that... Uh, Nylander's going to get around six. They're like, there's no way. Look at look at how much Eichel got. It's like, well, Eichel got, took an eight-year deal. He gave up two more UFA years. That's part of why it's way higher. So if Nylander only signs for five or six years, which is possible, it's not going to be... You can't compare it to Eichel. You can't say Eichel got 10, and so Nylander should be getting 8.8 or whatever. It's like only if he signs an eight-year deal. So I don't think the Leafs can aff- afford the wrong word. I don't think the Leafs want to give an eight-year contract to Nylander yet. Because the number is going to be so high, it's going to be like seven and a half or something. Well, so then the question is: Is it does it serve the Leafs in the short term to save, let's say, two million a year for three years, and then have to pay him more for the next seven or eight years after that? And it could be like I don't know, it could be eight or nine at that point. Right. Here's the thing: Is that the cap? If let's say the cap goes up four and a half million a year. So you go three years down the road, the cap is going to be $13.5 million higher, potentially, in three years than it is now. Maybe you're earmarking some of that $13.5 million going up to what you're going to be giving Marner and Nylander. But then you'd have them on an even bigger discount if you just sign them long term. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But that's hard. Like that's, well, that's that's why you have Lawrence Gilman and Brendan That's Brennan. what they're... I'm sure they're trying to model it out. And I, it, my... Yeah, this is the way a negotiation would work is that they would have things on the table for, is it a three-year deal? They won't do four because that goes right to UFA. Teams will do two, three, five, six, seven, eight. I don't think Nylander and Marner are going to get the seven eights in terms of, I, I'm I'm trying to read the tea leaves here because they're not obviously telling us how this negotiation is going. Mm. I just think it's going to be extremely expensive to get Nylander and Marner for eight years. Like it's the number is going to be really high. Like seven and a half for Nylander and nine for Marner or some crazy thing. But my counter to that would be, isn't that what they're worth? Like what's a sixty? Like Marner is is a seventy to eighty point player right now. Nylander's probably in the same ballpark. What what are those players worth? I guess what is it worth to have if if you long term if you do shorter term deals and you've got that extra space for the next let's say five years let's say they do five year deals they've got extra space for five more years what's that worth? Is that worth like you can add another really good player on your team? Well, it's like let's say it's two million less. It's like for four, four million. Four million over five over the next five. Is that I don't know. That's one of the things that they need to to calculate out, and it's so complicated that I don't know if you and I have the time to dedicate to it that, that a, an organization would to model it all out and see what's worth what. But we should do it. <laughs> we spend could. four weeks. It's well, actually really interesting. Yeah. Story idea. Write that down. Yeah, story idea. You, <laughs> you and I doing... But they got people with computer science degrees and stuff like that in the front office that are going to yeah. be... I, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere they've got a spreadsheet and it's got, here's what a cap looks like today. Here's what it looks like in 2021. Here's what the situation looks like if there's an expansion draft. Who would we lose? And It's going to be interesting. I just think... I just wonder if there's some sort of a compromise that's not a bridge deal and that's not eight years that they come to. The, the 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 interesting thing too is how does Matthews' contract affect Marner? How does Nylander's contract affect Marner? Do those become? I think the latter question is more interesting. The Nylander one, yeah. Because I think Marner's going to get quite a bit more than Nylander. Probably. Yeah, well, and and my Especially question if he plays out the year. My question would be why, if I'm Nylander. 
The, one of the things that's going to hurt Nylander is that that first year he played, he only played like, didn't he only play like 17 games or something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. That'll hurt you. That like, that hurts if you look at your total points produced in your entry level Yeah, but contract. if you look point per game, when you, uh, point, when you point to point, points per game? I, yeah, but the fact that you weren't in the league, the fact, you, like, Nylander played in the AHL. He played in Sweden. He he wasn't in the NHL until later than Marner was. Mm-hmm. Correct. That impacts your contract. It does. That's the thing. Is like mm-hmm. Matthews can step right into the league right out of the draft and score forty goals. Like that impacts your contract. Like that is like that puts you in some crazy. Whereas Marner wasn't in the NHL right out of right out of the draft, uh, and and neither was Nylander. They both mm-hmm. didn't make the NHL right out of the draft. So all of these things are are part of the conversation. I think I, I think that the the fact that Marner's first year in pro hockey he put up sixty one points last year, and Nylander's wasn't that. I think that that could be a difference. But, Mar- but Nylander's first full year was basically that. Yes, actually, it was that. I think. Yes. So I wonder if like remember they burned the first year of his contract with <clears throat> bringing him up at the end of that that lost season. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how to what degree that impacts. The Leafs are going to be able to argue that that should impact his contract, that he wasn't in the NHL for most of that year. And I would argue that that had nothing you to do You can argue with whatever him. you want. You've got no arbitration rights. Like, how are you going to... Oh, your leverage is that he doesn't show up. I don't know. I don't think the players are going to want to do that. No, which is, yeah. Which is a whole product you have of to come system. To, you have to come to some sort of a compromise at some point. Yeah. You know what we could do on a podcast is you could play one role as, as the team and I could play the other I'd role. I'd like to play could... the agent. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, I could play the team side. But I think – I wish I had – I wish we could show a chart on the podcast. But it would be basically like – Maybe in a few years. You'd, yeah. yeah well, well, do you see Steve Dangle, what they do with theirs is they put it on YouTube. So yeah. we could – we could we could get we it. can barely get it up on yeah I know the other way we can barely get it up we could like if we had a actually Andrew does a good job we're not very good with we need to, recording we need to get better I've been talking to Craig Custance about how he records his podcast he does it over over Skype with a mic plugged into his computer so if we can get to that capability then we can start recording these all the time so yeah and we probably having... didn't mention Bab Socks yet did we uh, off the top briefly Bra- brought to you by Bab Socks. Who have some big things cooking for the fall? Yeah, like, exciting things. Like what those guys are working on is it's a whole new ball game, whole new balled up sock game. And and the other thing too is if you're not yet subscribed to the Athletic, send me a message on Twitter and I will give you thirty five percent off. It's a hell of a deal. <laughs> this month, July, uh, for the Athletic Toronto has been one of the best months in the history of the whole site. I wonder why. <laughs> it's funny, you know, in in our business, in the media business, the in in hockey, the biggest times of year are June, July, like in term, and and trade deadline's pretty good too. Oh my god! Well, do you know, like, t- we're recording this on Thursday. Kawhi got traded to Toronto on Wednesday. I was like constantly refreshing my page to be like, "Is there stuff to read about Kawhi? Kawhi? Kawhi?" Well, the good thing that Eric Crane did is that he had something up right away. Like, I he, know, and I read he it wrote one quickly. of the first columns about the whole, like, even before we knew what the trade was. We knew Damar had posted his Instagram sadness at like I was awake in the middle of the night because of the baby, and it was all going down at like three in the morning. The Damar's Instagram thing went up in the middle of the night. Well, because he's in California. Uh, Masai was overseas, 
And DeMar's in California, so, like, he was posting stuff on his Instagram at, like, whatever, midnight or 1230 at night there. And he had just found out, and he was heartbroken. And 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 the so the big NBA insiders, Waj and who's the other fellow? Sham. Sham. They were both, it was, it was like, 3.30 in the morning. And, like, I can't sleep, and the baby's crying, whatever. And it's like, oh, man. like, And it's funny, at, at that time of night, Twitter's not moving very fast because there's hardly anyone on there. And then it just started going, like... Like, I don't think I've seen Twitter that busy at 3.30 in the morning ever. That's funny. So I woke up. I wasn't awake at that time. I woke up and I had a text from Chris, Chris Johnson. And he said, what a trade or something like that. And I was like, oh, they got Kawhi. And then I went and tried. Well, it had been rumored for the betting market like five days beforehand or a week beforehand had that Toronto was the most likely destination. And I was listening to sports radio and they're like... Why is the betting market saying he's going here? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then... It didn't make sense when you looked at, like, what they have to offer. I do. You don't see that very often in sports where the betting market comes up with something and then that drives the conversation. Well, there was some thought that... um, So, Zach Lowe mentioned it in one of his columns that the Raptors were like... Don't count out the Raptors in, in one, as one of the teams to get Kawhi. But the betting market had them as the favorites. But that, that came out after Zach's column. And so, like, there was some people, I think there was some thought that that's why, but it, I, I think it was more that the Raptors could make a package that would interest the Spurs, I think. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know if you, you've never talked to anyone that works for, like, a betting site or whatever. Like, they get no. some really smart guys there to, like, come up with those odds. Not always on hockey sometimes, but um, it's a real science to coming up with those things, so. I don't know what the site was or anything. All I know is I was listening to sports radio and they were like, well, the betting market says that the Raptors are the favorites. Does that make sense? So then, then they had people like, you know, the NBA, uh, the top NBA people in Toronto talking about it. It's like, well, I don't know. It might make sense. And Masai's going to, he knows the GM, I guess, in San Antonio. Who's the GM in San Antonio? He has a relationship. R.C. Buford? He has a relationship with him, I guess, or something. And anyway. It's very exciting. It's well, awesome. It's, like, I don't know which opening night i'm more looking forward to obviously I'm we'll be even, at the leaf game so I, i'm i'm not a big uh, is it, are they playing on the same night no i don't think so oh okay well if the if the uh the raptors game is is not on a leafs night then we'll have to get together and watch it i'm gonna try to go so anyway let's get back to the leafs so the last one that i we've talked about a little bit before that i think is the hardest is marner because i don't know what you pay him i think we were texting back and forth a little while ago and i said if you were the leafs or marner let's say someone throws out eight by eight who says no i think if i'm the leafs i would really think how long and hard about doing that i think you have to because of his potential because of the potential savings i think that that for an eight-year deal is probably around the right number for him whereas nylander's is a bit less than that I don't think Nylander's going to get an eight-year deal. Who says no? I think Marner might say no. But, like, to go back to what you said about Matthews, that's $64 million. Yep. Isn't there a $64 million question? Isn't that a thing? Or is it 64000 Did you watch Who like, Wants to Be a Millionaire? Or well, that was a different show. That was a, no, different, no, it's a show, different show. Yeah. Wasn't it called it was, the 60... It was before our time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 64000 something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, okay, so let's say we'll, we'll do our little role-playing thing. If you were Marner and I offered you that, I'm Dubis, would you say no? I thought you were going to be the agent. Okay, well, in this scenario, <laughs> I've traded it. Okay, so I, I'm the agent. I'm Darren Ferris. Okay, so what would you say? No, but, like, t- ultimately, it's Marner's choice. Yes. So, like, if you're Marner, what would you do? 
the podcast does not do well when you just <laughs> sit there. But obviously, it's an important thing I to think, think about. I think that's the right number for it to be a hard decision on the player's point of view. I think yeah. if you try and go lower than that, then it's going to be no. I think that Marner's ready to – he would bet on himself. Well, so if you're – Let's it's say let's keep you as as Marner, and now I'm Darren Ferris, and I say to you, Mitch, like this is a lot of money, but if you wait, yeah, I might be able to get you ten and a half yes. or ten or something like that. What Marner's side is going to be saying, you're going to be playing a whole season with John. You had 69 points last year. You were playing with partly Kadri and partly Bozak. You were playing with not great players the whole year. Um, you're going to be playing with one of the best centers in the entire NHL this year. Um, you could have 92 points, and then you can ask for whatever you want. I think that that's what they're going to do. I don't I don't think Marner's contract is going to get signed here. I think that they'll, they can get Nylander and Matthews done right here, and then Marner bets on himself for it, because it plays out the year. There's too much incentive for him not to, really. Although 8 by 8, like, $64 million isn't nothing. It would be awesome for the Leafs, like, if you could save that money. What I was going to say is, like, there's not very much downside other than you got to i mean he's almost worth that right now right like he's he is yeah, yeah. oh for sure he is like he was he, their best player in the playoffs and their best player in the second half right so uh, yeah there's there's not much downside to it for the leafs there's like the, the leafs need to be careful not to put put themselves in a situation where they overthink this or whatever and they they leave an eight by eight on on sitting there and, and walk away from it and then all of a sudden they get stuck with a 12 million dollar cap hit mm-hmm. at some point right and then right because then like you'd have to like you said he could lead them in scoring yeah he could get 90 points like if he finished top five in the league in scoring it wouldn't shock me well over the last 35 games he was 13th or something like that right so and that was playing with Kadri and Marlowe right this is playing and getting more minutes and it would be risky for the least because you could be in a situation where you have Tavares 11 Matthews 11 Marner eight yeah eight or ten and there's like that two million that we talk about and then that's where you know there's all this stuff about should they trade Neilander for a defenseman and all that if they get into a situation like that where all of a sudden one of those guys is worth way more and they've put him on a bridge deal or whatever then they might have to trade somebody but but I don't think it's those guys that you trade I never believe I don't think it's those guys that you trade but you can only have so many 11 million dollar players True, but I don't trade the very best. I'd try to trade Kadri or I'd try to trade Riley or I don't know. Anyway, that's a different conversation. I just don't. I, I think it's interesting that those are always the guys that you would think to trade. And obviously, they're young, they're they're up and coming, and all that stuff. But if I'm them, I'm trying to trade like the next guys. Here's where it gets tougher, though. Jonas is like, like let's say Timothy Lilgren or Rasmus Sandin or one of those guys comes in and he overperforms what people expect. He has a really, really good NHL seasons on his entry level deal. All of a sudden, he's able to those Lilgren or or Sandin or some other or Dermot or one of these defensemen is able to ask for a lot more money than people think. Let's just say, just for an example, let's say Dermot comes in next year emerges as a top pair defenseman. I don't think this is going to happen. Let's just say it happens. Mm-hmm. Let's say he has 43 points, plays 22 minutes a night. All of a sudden, coming out of his entry-level deal, which I believe would be uh, one more year after next season, all of a sudden, he's going to be able to ask for a lot more money. He's going to be able to ask for term. He's going to be able to ask for dollars. Then you get into a situation where you can't keep everybody. If you like, if you start to get more good young players are coming into their second deal and getting more money. Yeah, but at that point, you've, you've sent Jake Gardner away. You've let him go. There's five million, or not exactly, but yeah. 
the guys that make the most sense for them to trade when they run into cap trouble next year, if they run into cap trouble next year, are Zaitsev and Marlow. For of me. course, yeah, but right, of course. But like I'm talking about, like if you're trying to get better value back, the guys who would have more value to me to trade than the the top young guys are like the next guys, which although, is Kadri. Although, Riley. if you phrase it like that. How much trade value does one of those guys have? Like, you're going to be able to get, like, really good players. Really, really good players. By trading Marner in, or like, Leander or In whatever. three to five years. Like, not... It's hard to get back, like, equal value for those guys if you're getting a defenseman. That's why I like that Drewan for Sergachev trade, because I think Sergachev's better than Drewan. It's a fat... And I've always think... I've always thought that the, the really sneaky part about that was it allowed them to keep Nemesnikov. Right. Briefly. Briefly. But, like, that helped them get Callahan or McDonough. The sneaky part about it is that Sergachev, on an entry-level deal, putting up the numbers that he did, is worth way more than Drew Ann at 5.5 a year producing the numbers he did. Like, it's like if you have a guy that's making that little money doing that... It's an effing heist. Yeah. Yeah. So, to, if teams, if they... If you can go to... I don't. I was going to say a dumb team. I'm not going to say that. If you could go to a team that is going to make a trade like that, that really wants that more established piece, and you can get an entry level guy in that trade, man, that makes a lot of sense. But you have to be. It's a situation where you would have to think that you have to project the player. Yeah, and you would have to think Neander's not going to be as good as some other team thinks he is, or something. Yeah, but there were definitely signs that Duran was not going to be as good as yes. Yeah, and that's not a smart team. He Danny Ocean them. Do you get that reference? Isn't that is that Ocean's Eleven thing? Yeah, George Clooney. I, I, I don't like those movies. They're Do not you like them? No, nah, I don't great. like. They're I don't not. like those movies. The, the the bad part about them is they're not very rewatchable. Like I, they're on Netflix and yeah, they're not that great. That means it's not a good movie. Yeah, you know what's really rewatchable that I've watched a few times? Actually, I watched rewatched this summer is the Bourne movies. Oh, I could watch those over and over. And I've over seen again. them. I've seen them so many times. Yeah, I haven't watched the, the first newest three. ones though. No, the newer ones are lame. Lamer. They're fine, but they're not. Even the new one with with uh, Jeremy Renner. No, even the one after. They made another one after that with Matt Damon. Right? Yeah, I haven't even, watched that one. Even yet. that one's not as good. Like the first three were tight and same director and the continuity. Like you can watch the three all together. Like you could. Watch, That's what I've tried to do. If you could watch them on three nights, and it's like wow. Like I don't know if there's another series of movies where like it picks up like a, like a, like it picks up right where it was. It's almost like those TV series that go on a perfect length, but then when they try to stretch it, it starts getting crap because the storyline isn't as good. Right, because the storyline was over. Like, at the end of the third one, at the end of Ultimatum, he had, like, gone back to the lab and killed the guy. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I don't even know if that... I can't even remember if that's exactly... Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, everybody. Maybe we'll say in our tweets that we're going to spoil that. But those movies are old. We can spoil that. Yeah. I've been because I've been up late with the baby and stuff. I've been watching movies. Did you, did you ever see the game with Michael Douglas? No, but I've been, Michael. No, you should see, see it. That. It's it's like kind of cheesy, but it's also like one of the. It's I hadn't seen it in. It came out in '97, so it's like 20 years old. But it's one of those like concept movies that's. It's like this really rich guy, and for his birthday, his brother buys him this thing that's the game, and it's like kind of like. Um, it's like an elaborate thing that happens to them in their life. It's I don't want to like give it away, but it, it's like one of those. It's one of those '90s movies that had this like weird concept, and it's like very atmospheric. And Is it good? It, it's all right. Like there was a brief time. You have to suspend your disbelief. So it depends if like yeah. it depends. Well, did you ever if, see that movie? Uh, I think it was Inception with Leo DiCaprio. Oh yeah, 
That yeah. was like it was like two Shutter Island, same thing. It was like I didn't see Shutter Island. It's very I liked I liked Inception, I didn't love it. Yeah. I'd give it like I'd give it like seven and a half or eight out of ten. Do you rotten tomatoes your movies? Like do I go do I do I vote on it? No, like do you go check before you watch? You know what I got? I, I'm I'm a big movie guy. We don't we never talked about movies on here. No, I'm, which is I'm, interesting because I watch a lot too. I'm I'm like a really big movie guy. Um I don't I don't think Rotten Tomatoes is accurate enough. I don't think I disagree with its methodology. Because there's a lot of movies that are just kinda like okay and they get a really high Rotten Tomatoes. They get like an eighty or something. Well, because as long as someone gives it a decent review, yeah. it's a tomato. It's a bad system. A better site is metacritic.com because uh, they grade every movie out of ten and then so you get a more accurate rating. And a lot of those movies that are just like okay, they get they score in like the sixties and that's more of a representation of how good the movie was. I like I I like the like complicated drama films, but I'm also a sucker for like superhero movies and stuff like that. And well, the Indiana Jones movies were back on Netflix for a bit, and I watched those very quickly. Yeah, we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Tangent. Is there anything else no, you want to add about have, that? We should have movie section the whole time. <laughs> Watch the game with Michael Douglas and tell me what you think. All right, I'll get on that. Is that like a solo project, or is that something I can watch with my girlfriend? I don't know. Can it, sounds like a solo. All right, I'll watch it. I don't know what I don't know what your girlfriend likes to watch in movies. She won't want to watch that. That doesn't sound that. <laughs> I'm not. It's even like sure. mysterious suspense. You know. Was... Okay. The thing I like about it is it's very different from any other movie. That's I like. I like. I like it when people. If you're making a piece of art, like be different. Like, be did you different. like like uh, Memento? Did yeah. You see that? yeah, that was good. It's it's a little bit like that. It's like kind of mind bending. Or usual suspects. Or... Yeah, it's a little bit like that. I think it's David Fincher. I think is the director. So he makes oh. kind of like weird. He's didn't he do seven? Yes. Yes. Which is awesome. This is the movie I think he made right after seven. I want to say. Wow. I think yeah. What's in the bag? Yeah, that's what the game is. Kind of like what's in the bag. <laughs> that's the name of this podcast. What's in the bag? Because we don't know what these guys are going to get. Well, have you seen those movie reviews that the guys do on YouTube that are half in the bag? No. Those are really good. It's like a bunch of nerds that sit around talking about movies and they like make fun of like the Star Wars movies and stuff. Right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Andreas Johnson, we were going to talk about some of your your mailbag questions, but we've spent so long on these contracts. Well, we can do, well, let's just All do right. it next week or the week after or whatever. The contra- the mailbag questions? Yeah, we All can right. talk about We'll save it stuff. for next week, but let's talk briefly Andreas Johnson. Were you surprised that he just took his qualifying offer? I was yeah, a little bit surprised. A little bit, yeah. I thought that the Leafs would I I would be okay with giving Johnson some term if he wanted it. I I actually I talked to Johnson's agent, um a former Camus Blazer. Um and I'm going to write, I'm probably going to write something about it. So I don't want to give too much of it away. But it, it sounded like it was just hard to come up with a number on, on term that made sense. So it sounded like we think Janssen's a good player. We're not 100% sure. He's only played nine NHL regular season games. The agent said, like, you look at the comparables and there's like nobody that's like, there's nobody that compares to him, really. Well, who plays nine NHL games and might already be like a really good top right. forward. So that was the problem. Well, and like if you if you offered him, I don't know, the Connor Brown contract or the Zach Hyman contract, I'd probably turn it down if I was Johnson. Like he could come in this year and score 20 goals and have 40 to 50 And then from points. the Leafs perspective, it's like, or he could come in and just be like a 20-point guy. And then now we've got him signed for two-point whatever million and... I I really like Janssen. I think that Janssen could have 18 goals and like 35 points and 
And the thing is, is that he'll have arbitration rights um, after this season. So um, the thing the agent said is he's betting on himself and he's happy to do that. He's, he's a, he's a seventh round pick that was a long shot to ever make the NHL. And he's bet on himself the whole way along. And now this is his, his shot. And it, it, it makes some sense if you think about it that way. Sure. That yeah. it's, it's really hard to know what he's going to do this season. I would play Andreas Janssen. I know everyone's. I know Babcock's already given us the lines. Or Mar- One thing about that that, that could change, change the second day of camp, right. right? I would like to see Janssen play with Tavares or Matthews. I think I would play him with Matthews. Yeah, when I was playing around with lines, that's where I had him. But with Matthews, yeah, and I actually had Hyman with Tavares, I think, and I had Marlowe with Kadri, just because yeah, like that's the, what I ended up having on my lines, but, yeah. It'll happen. Like, they're all going to... Like, if you... I have all the lines from last year. Like, everybody... It flips around constantly. So, like, let's say Janssen's playing with one of those top two centers early on in the season. I mean, he could have a really big year. Well, think of a lot of the chances that Zach Hyman got that Janssen would conceivably get. He would score on a lot more of those chances, I would think. I think what they're thinking is that they like Hyman in kind of the Anders Lee role... I was actually going and watching. I can't remember why I was doing this. I was watching uh, the goals that Ocposo scored playing with Tavares, mm-hmm. and some of them with Lee. There was one game where Ocposo had a four-goal game against the Penguins, and if you watch those goals, Tavares was a key part in all of them, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Tavares is really good. His hands are so good that if you get him down around the dots in the face-off dots. He's really good at creating open space, at generating a good scoring chance out of that. Mm-hmm. And his line mates are there to bang in the rebound or to get or to tip it. Or or he there was one where he passed it to Ocposo and it went off Ocposo's foot and went in the net. Mm-hmm. Like Tavares is really good at creating a lot down low in the offensive zone. So well, I was just thinking that it made sense to to have Hyman there. Is Hyman's so good down low and he's so good on the forecheck at like digging pucks out. That, yeah, that would make sense. With but Tavares, like Tavares is going to be. It's like when the Devils played David Clarkson with with Patrick Elias, and there were there were there was yeah. jokes when the Leafs signed Clarkson out of New Jersey. Some of the people I talked to, and they're like, "Well, like Patrick Elias is so good, and he was like banking pucks off Clarkson's ass and stuff." And like Tavares is going to be able to do that. Man, that Clarkson deal seems like so long ago, and it's really it's still not. going. <laughs> yeah, that was five years ago, twenty thirteen. Yeah, that's when they bought out Grabo and traded for Bernier and Boland and. They were, all they were all they were going for it. If they if they would have given Boland a five year extension, which there was talk of them doing, he would still be going right now. Which is why, like as much as like you look at the Shanahan legacy so far, and it's he's sparkling them from doing some of that crap. Well, but there was some stuff that almost happened that that just didn't happen, like the Georgia's trade and like the Boland contract. But and, I think Shanahan. I think Shanahan has his ear to the ground a little bit, and like he, sure, but like lots of stuff went his way. Like you could easily have not gotten the first overall pick, and like your, your oh, picture is yeah. different. But I think still, I think you have to credit. Well, sure, but like you, you could have all, credit them that they didn't do Boland and they didn't do Georges, and they they drafted Neilander and they did. Oh, they did. They've done lots of good stuff. That like he deserves credit. Like the the reason they're in this, this position ultimately is him. I wonder if he's reading Twitter and like looking at the response when a rumor gets out there that oh they're going to get Josh Georges and then well but wasn't it Georges who just didn't who said he didn't want to play here right so oh, the, oh like, I see what you're saying yeah you're right like Sorry. there's just lots I, of things. I was think I was thinking that the Leafs decided at the last minute not to do that but you're right they was well and like there was like Babcock could have just said no and they could have had Guy Boucher as their coach and like who the hell knows what their team looks like then oh, I don't know yeah and the system would be in place 
Um, so. What was the trade for Georges? What were they giving up? Was it Franzen? Franzen, I think. Who is also not I think that's out. what it was. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Anyway. I think we're done. I think we're done. Yeah. Anyway, so maybe next week we'll, or whatever, we decide to do the next one. Next week. I'll come with another movie pick next week. <laughs> or the week after. And then we'll talk about, so next week we'll talk about some things from the mailbag. I can preview it now. Justin Hall. Uh, you had a good question. Someone asked you a good question about who you think is going to basically beat expectations and who you think is going to struggle that one to beat was expectations. Really hard. It's a really good Do question. Do you think I got it right or? Yeah. Yeah. Generally. It was really hard. That one took me, that one, that one was really short, my answer, and it took longer than most of them. It's a good question. We'll talk about it. And then we'll talk about Matthews and power play time and all that stuff. And whatever else is going on, we'll, we'll do your movie pick. We'll see if, I'll, I'll watch the other one. And if it sucks, I'll tell you. Okay. You might not like it, but it's Fincher. It's like it's atmospheric. All right. All right. Podcast brought to you by Babsocks. We will be back next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.